0: Hello America.
1: Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. This is Jeffrey Lord sitting in for our friend Sean Hannity and we have a special guest on with us now. We will be talking to journalist Michael Schellenberger and you may have seen him in the news because as you know he's one of the independent journalists who's been tapped by Elon Musk and I think in this case Barry Weiss to sift through round seven of the Twitter files. And what Michael has uncovered is just stunning. It's no joke. It's twi- I find it really chilling. And as a result of what he has discovered, Michael is calling for Congress to probe revelations the FBI and the intelligence Committee, uh, community work to discredit, quote-unquote, the Hunter Biden laptop story that appeared in the New York Post ahead of the 2020 uh, presidential election. So without further ado, hello, Michael. How are you?
2: good hey thanks for having me
1: you bet you bet so tell us a little bit about this uh, what you what you've discovered I mean I think this is such a bizarre set of stories here but it doesn't I have to say it doesn't surprise me in the least that stuff was going on what what have you seen here was as you've been uh, going through this well
2: if you you know I- What it appears to be, and I can't entirely prove, and that's partly why we need an investigation, but it appears to have been an organized influence campaign by the FBI and retired FBI officials, including the former chief counsel, potentially the former deputy chief of staff um, at Twitter, trying to basically prime both news organizations and social media platforms, namely Twitter and Facebook, to view the Hunter Biden laptop as a product of Russian disinformation rather than for what it really was, which was something turned over by a whistleblower to the FBI in December 2019. He was a computer repair store owner. Um, FBI had that laptop since December 2019. And yet through all of 2020, the FBI and uh, former FBI officials, but inside and outside of Twitter, and we think also Facebook were communicating that they should be on guard for a hack and leak operation, meaning where the Russians would supposedly hack into somebody's computer and then leak it, but it would be misinformation. And we now know that um, that really influenced how Twitter and everybody else, the news media, um, and then ultimately the public perceived the Hunter Biden laptop so that a lot of people, including myself, dismissed the laptop as real and were very suspicious of it when we should have taken its contents more seriously.
1: What are your thoughts? I mean, we had those, what was it, 50 people from the intelligence community come out and say this was Russian disinformation. How much of this do you think was genuinely they didn't understand and how much of it do you think was just deliberately designed to save Joe Biden?
2: I I, I think... I have to say, after looking at all of this, I would say like 100% is from wanting to protect Biden and they wanted to get rid of Trump. I mean, these are characters who have been on the record as wanting to get rid of Trump for years. Right. I also, I didn't even mention that episode, by the way, in my, I wrote Twitter files part seven and I didn't even get to that, which is, but when you look at all of these things together there's clearly an influence campaign. Now, somebody could say, well, it wasn't organized. It was more, <laughs> you know, tacit, but it was uh, incredibly effective. Incredibly, there was people working on the inside of Twitter, people outside of Twitter. There were the uh, the national security, the retired national security executives who signed that letter uh, and there was also, very strange, uh, an Aspen Institute workshop where they took the senior news executives and national security correspondents for the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, NPR, and Twitter and Facebook, and they got them together for what they call a tabletop exercise, which is basically to do a scenario for how to... I mean, if I'm being honest, how to not cover or miscover the Hunter Biden laptop, and they did that in September, so one month before the laptop came to the public's view.
1: Wow. Wow. That is incredible. Well, one of the concerns, and you know, I wrote this book called Swamp Wars, uh, Donald Trump and the New American Populism versus the Old Order, and one of the things, and I've worked in Washington for a long time for a congressman, senator, president, that would be President Reagan, and then Jack Kemp as HUD when he was secretary in the Bush administration. You, you really do come away with the impression, after all of that, that there is a swamp here, that it's, uh, as I've said earlier in the show, not unlike junior high school. You've got the cool kids, and you got the not-so-cool kids, and the cool kids run the show. And you when, you when you get to something like this, this is just, to me, incredibly dangerous. If you've got this combination of big tech – and big media um, withholding information, uh, in essence, from the American, not in essence, in reality, from the American people. That, that is a real problem, and, and that speaks exactly to why what you are doing and, and Barry Weiss and uh, Matt Taibbi are, are important here because there have to be people who are willing to really investigate. And, wow, we're talking about a shortage of that
2: yeah I mean I think it's um, it's alarming the extent to which you can see people basically taking efforts to prevent the public from considering what the Biden family business has been. I mean yeah. this is yeah, it's important for people to understand that there's literally tens of millions of dollars that's gone to Joe Biden's son, to Joe Biden's brother, from powerful foreign interests, including four Chinese. Uh, individuals who are tied to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. So, this is not uh, a minor issue. This is not, uh, this is around uh, countries that are direct, you know, geopolitical rivals uh, paying money into the Biden family. And maybe you think that, that there's, that'll be okay or you're not worried about that, but then why would there have been this huge cover up of it? that went on for so long, and then a real misinformation campaign related to it, it doesn't make any sense. You know, I think that, um, I think it raises really disturbing questions around both the role of the FBI. I think the FBI needs to be cleaned out. There needs to be a depoliticization of the FBI. It's our most important law enforcement body. And I also think it's an indictment of the news media. They are, they these reporters yes. that are basically... Doing the, they're, they're acting as public relations staff for the national security state rather than playing the typical role of journalists, which is to be skeptical of power and, and inquiring of power and critical of it.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, I think you got it absolutely right here. And this, this is a problem. And I'm frankly, we were just talking with, uh, Congressman, uh, James Comer from Kentucky, who's going to be the incoming chair of the, uh, House Oversight Committee and i think that this is this kind of thing is going to get some examination from him and from his committee as as well it should uh... i mean i think this kind of mentality has has dominated the january six committee uh... the selection of the members you know they're all they're all there republican or democrat because they can't stand donald trump I, you know and there's no there's no defense allowed no cross-examination none of this i mean when you think of the really fundamental american values that. That are being, you know, uh, trashed, basically, and um, not not followed. How much, um, in, in a physical sense, how much of this Twitter stuff have you had to go through? I, I mean, I can, I, I have this image in my head of you and everybody else involved in this sitting up into the wee hours, you know, and looking at, you know, Twitter Twitter number one thousand seven hundred and five, etc. How how much of this was there, and how long did it take you to go through?
2: Yeah, I mean, it is. It's an enormous amount of information. And yeah, I definitely have been, um, until I published my piece, I just wasn't doing any, I wasn't returning any phone calls on any of the other things I work on. Because, you know, part of it is that there's 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 thousands of documents that we've had to read through. And um, it's like anything, you know, most of it is just the ordinary business work. And so you're looking for, the really critical moments and, and then of course, I think it's well publicized that Twitter is struggling financially, that Elon overpaid for it, um, or at least overpaid for it according to its market value. I think Twitter has a social public value that's much higher than its financial value, but nonetheless, the, the people getting us the documents, everyone's being pulled out from doing stuff to save the company to get us these documents. So we're very grateful to them for whatever you think of, you know, Elon Musk. You know, this is a—he's—he's he's done a real public service in making these documents available. So uh, we feel very uh, blessed to have had it. And honestly, I think that in my my Twitter thread, I think there's plenty of information in that single Twitter files part seven to justify a serious congressional investigation and maybe a special prosecutor because wow. the documents that we've revealed um, show show the pattern quite quite clearly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Well, as I, as I said to uh, another of our guests, uh, in in knowing that I was going to be having a conversation over the course of the show today about the FBI, I went back and looked at a book about the FBI written by uh, a guy named Ronald Kessler who did an in-depth study of it. And, and there you find uh, what w- was sort of amusing to me since it's, this was uh, long ago, uh, J. Edgar Hoover basically telling President Kennedy he's got, he's got an informant who says that he was, he, President Kennedy, was married before Jackie. Then, then he tells Robert Kennedy, who's not only the president's brother, but attorney general and therefore Hoover's boss, that he has information from an agent that he was, ha- that he, Bobby Kennedy, was having an affair with a woman in El Paso. And Robert Kennedy replied icily, he'd never been to El Paso. <laughs> And then he did the same thing with Richard Nixon. Uh, we have information, sir, that you're, uh, that you've been having an affair with a woman in China. So, I, you know, as much as I admire the FBI, uh, and, 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 knew, uh, at least one agent who lived in my area of Pennsylvania and was a straight arrow, I, I mean, there's a history here of the FBI not being, uh, as good as it should be when it comes to these things and i just think this has gotten out of control That this this whole business of uh... you know hating donald trump has really pulled the curtain back because i think it's about more than donald trump I think if you've got people in these positions thinking that they can do whatever they want uh... and not get caught and manipulate uh... Amer- the american media or big tech and, and not to mention if you've got people in big tech they're all too willing to be manipulated. This is this is a problem. Yes. Well yeah, Michael
2: Absolutely. I mean we Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I mean these are you know, I think the thing that gives me some hope, you may that you know, people it went uh viral on Twitter the other day, the testimony of Frank Church in I believe 1974, 1975 he was a member of Congress or maybe a senator who was involved in kind of cleaning up the intelligence agencies, right. um, which had been, uh, had had really, had been, there had been the abuse of power. I mean, those words kept ringing through my head as I've been working on this for the last couple of weeks of abuse of power. And, and I think that that, you know, these institutions, they periodically are corrupted. I mean, I think our founding fathers were aware that this would happen. So you have a, a, a basically a good system, but we need we need to clean up these agencies and root out the the politicization of them, um, right? And get some new oversight, some new mechanisms. But basically, it's time. I just think after a while, these institutions go bad. And on the media so that's on the on the FBI side. On the media side, you know, the internet is changing everything. Uh, the social media environment has opened up new voices, so that you know, Elon Musk um, is working. You know, people that. Emails are independent are not at the traditional corporate media. We're independent, but now the media has to kind of follow what we're writing on this. I think people don't trust the corporate news media, the mainstream news media, very much anymore. And and so I think that some of these reforms are going to occur thanks to technology as well.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. We live in a new world here, and uh, we've all got to figure out how to adjust. Michael, thank you. We're running out of time here, so thank you very much for taking the time to... uh, talk to us and uh this story is not going away so keep at it
2: thanks so much for having me
1: you bet bye-bye all right thank you michael that was michael schellenberger who just dropped the twitter files number seven which certainly deserves a much closer look and an investigation into the biden family china and big tech my name is jeffrey lord sitting in for sean hannity today Please follow me at Real Jeffrey Lord and listen to my podcast wherever podcasts are found. You can follow me at True Social and the Word of the Lord and my website, TheJeffreyLord.com. All
0: right, I want you to meet Kelsey. Now, when she found out she was pregnant, well, she wasn't really sure where to turn. But after meeting with counselors at Preborn Network Clinics, well, guess what? They loved her. They supported her. And they gave her a free 4D ultrasound for her to actually hear her baby's heartbeat.
3: When a mother looks at her child through a sonogram. It does something to you. You know, I ended up deciding to keep my son, who is now five years old today. He's amazing. He brings absolute joy to my heart. I could not imagine life without him.
0: Can you help out this great mission of preborn? Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over, get this, $130 million. Bottom line is, insurance alone is not enough. Now, to save, just go to HealthLock.com. That's one word, HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. Now, to date, Healthlock has helped its members save over, get this, $130 million. Bottom line is, insurance alone is not enough. Now, to save, just go to healthlock.com. That's one word, healthlock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider.
1: This is Jeffrey Lord from The Word of the Lord with Jeffrey Lord and thejeffreylord.com, and the American Spectator, and Newsmax TV, and Newsbusters, and the world. Oh, wow. Um, we,
4: we rounded it out nice and <laughs> even there, huh? We just put it
1: all in from the world. So, so, Linda and I will return shortly, and we're going to have an interesting discussion about uh, President Biden and how he sort of does things and doesn't do them so well, and whether they're sort of smart or not, and whether he has a history and he does have a history. And in one case of this, I personally can testify to it because it I rhymes was
4: with ageism.
1: <laughs> That's all no. right. That's right. So we will be back, uh, very, very shortly here and close out the night. This is Jeffrey Lord for Sean Hannity. And that number is. 800-941-7326 or 800-941-SHAWN if you want to do it that way. This is Jeffrey Lord and welcome back to the last half hour of the Sean Hannity Show. We are uh, a handful of days from Christmas. You know, Linda, the one person, and I know you tried so hard to get him on the show, but it was Santa Claus and he, I mean, he, he just more or less blew us off and said, he had this thing he had to do. And, he was like, "Ho, ho, ho, and, uh, and see you later." Ru- Rudolph w- was acting up, and uh, I guess there were some problems there. So I think it was probably a good thing that we didn't, you know, have him on. and It's just hard to
4: find good help.
1: Ha- yeah, yeah, you it's know, tough with, economy, with all those yeah. little elves and all this kind of thing. I mean, it's just, it's just difficult. So you know, they unionized. Man, it oh, got weird. weird. Yes, it did. It did quickly. And and then you find out that it's not uh Will what's his name? Will Farrell, you know, that uh Listen th- there are real elves out there. <laughs> I love
4: Elf. I love Jimmy Kong, God rest his soul, and I love Will Farrell. That movie is amazing. I found out yesterday it is twenty years old and my heart hurt a little. Oh Listen. wow. Is that right, Ethan? Yep. Twenty years old.
1: So you saw it when you were five? Clearly. <laughs> it's actually four and a half, but who's counting? <laughs> Again. all right well we're going to have a little discussion here about our uh our president and some of the problems he's been uh having and, and you know just this minute a story has popped up on fox news uh, and the headline is biden fumed dropped f-bombs as border crisis intensified new book claims and you just think how did he get into this situation in the first place and uh it's been my observation and i'm cer- certainly not alone that, uh, sadly, he's, is not the sharpest knife in the drawer when it comes to solutions and various situations. And that has gotten him in trouble before when he was running for president in uh, 1987. Um, he was simultaneously chairing the Robert Bork hearings when I was a young White House aide to President Reagan and uh, running for president at the same time. And he was running against uh, one of his opponents was Michael Dukakis, the then Democratic Governor of Massachusetts, who finally wound up winning the nomination. And Michael Dukakis put together a little split screen deal that showed uh, the British Labour Party leader of the day, Neil Kinnock, uh going on about his family from Wales and and how they were Welsh coal miners and. How did he get an education and his wife get an education and all this? And, you know, why am I the King Kinnick? Well, the Dukakis campaign discovered and, and videoed Joe Biden out on the campaign trail using exactly that story from Neil Kinnick, except he changed it to the Bidens and Scranton instead of Wales. So uh, they put together this clip and... Uh, then we got into a situation where Joe Biden's campaign was saying, oh, it was a mistake and he doesn't do this kind of thing. <clears throat> and as it turns out, uh, I had, <laughs> I had, uh, caught him plagiarizing and I notified the New York Times and, uh, the, the, the backstory on this. I I really,
4: just to set it up for the audience. So Jeffrey and I were talking before we got on the air and Jeff starts telling me this story and I'm like, you got to tell it like this on the air. (laughs) Like it's just, it gives you the picture of how these things actually used to happen when people were telling the truth as you did.
1: So, so when I was a kid, a, a 17 year old teenager living in Allentown, Pennsylvania, I was going to finishing my last two years of high school there and I was a big, Fan of uh, then Senator Robert F. Kennedy, the brother of President, the late President Kennedy at that point, who was himself running for president in 1968 against, uh, in the primaries against Democratic President Lyndon Johnson. And he had competition from Minnesota Senator Eugene McCarthy. And, uh, quite sadly, he was in Los Angeles the night he won the California Democratic primary and uh he thanks everybody and says you know and now it's on to chicago where the convention was going to be and and let's win there and he starts to turn and somebody grabs him and says senator come this way and they take him off the podium and back through the kitchen of the hotel and there on the top of a table was a young palestinian guy named sirhan sirhan with a pistol and he shoots and kills Robert Kennedy. Uh, Senator Kennedy lasted for maybe 24 hours or something, but he passed away. The nation was in shock. Uh, it was just it was awful. And uh, my good old Nixon-loving mother uh, consented to getting on a bus with me from Allentown and went to, uh, into New York and uh, stood in line to go past uh, the Kennedy casket in St. Patrick's Cathedral. We stood in line for hours so that you know i could reach out and touch the flag on the casket and all this sort of thing sometime after that some people in the record business put together these long playing records which were popular in the day of robert it was a collection of robert Kennedy's speeches and little geek that i was i would sit there in my room and listen to them for hours and memorize them okay flash ahead to september of 1987 and uh this whole incident with uh, a plagiarizing the Neil Kinnock comes forward and the Biden campaign says, Oh, well, this was a mistake and he doesn't do this. <clears throat> I uh, knew this not to be so because I had heard him on a, on a campaign stop in California a few months earlier and I thought, well, I'll listen to him. It was a snowy day in Washington and everybody had gone home. So I'm sitting there alone in my White House office with a TV on and I'm listening. And I began to realize that strangely, I'm getting to the end of his sentences before he is. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this is, this is just stunning. He's, he's outright plagiarizing from Bobby Kennedy. So when this other incident happened and it was said that he didn't do this, I picked up the phone and called uh, Maureen Dowd then a columnist with uh, then a reporter for the New York Times told her she was astounded and asked if I could document it and I said sure and I uh, went home to my parents house went into the basement pulled out the records brought it back uh, gave it to the New York Times and uh, within 2 days they had a story it was a front page story and I, on the inside of it I was I was quoted um, so, I just thought we, we would talk. It, my, my point is, how smart is the president? Because it's, it, it, it's just unimaginably not smart to plagiarize, in, in the first case, the leader of the British Labour Party, who's no private citizen that no one knows. Of course they have, somebody had video of it. And it wasn't smart to pl- plagiarize Robert Kennedy, because of course Robert Kennedy was one of the most famous people in American history at that point and and was well on tape with all of this sort of thing. So do we have uh, we have some of the uh, tape on this and uh, we thought we'd play it for you.
3: But this standard is not a measure of how we can evaluate the condition of our society. It cannot measure the health of our children, the quality of our education, the joy of their play. yet the gross national product does not allow for the health of our children
1: and that is Robert the quality Kennedy.
3: of their education for the joy of their play. Let us pledge that our generation of Americans will pay any price, bear any burden, accept any challenge, and meet any hardship to secure the blessings of prosperity and the promise of opportunity for our children. We shall
0: pay any price, bear any burden,
1: President John F. Kennedy, meet
0: any hardship,
3: support any friend
1: oppose any foe to assure the, the survival, survival and, the and the success of liberty, of
3: liberty. <laughs> and I started thinking as I was coming over here why is it that Joe Biden is the first in his family ever to go to a university why am I yes the first that's right in a thousand generations now. to be able to get the university why is it that my wife, who's sitting out there in the audience, is the first in her family to ever go to college? Why is Glennice the first woman in her family, in a thousand generations, to be able to get the university? No, it's not because they weren't as smart. It's not because they didn't work as hard. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. Does anybody really think that they didn't get what we had? because they didn't have the talent or the strength or the endurance or the commitment. Of course not. It was because there was no platform upon which they could stand.
1: Included in that clip, I mean, he he actually plagiarized President Kennedy's inaugural address, which in the world of uh, presidents is one of the most famous inaugural addresses ever. Uh, And yet, there he is as if and, and, and what, what boggles my mind is he's saying this to audiences of Democrats where you can bet there's a healthy percentage of people in the audience that remember this stuff or know it or they're somehow familiar with it. So the, the question I had is, you, you know, that's just not smart to do. And now you look around at all the government spending. You look around at what's happening on the border wall. You look around at the pullout from Afghanistan I mean, on and on and on goes this business. And you think, wow, we, we have a serious problem here with a president who's just not, uh, you know, however nice or not nice he might be is just not on the, on the ball here. And, and that's a real problem.
4: I would gently push back on that and just say, <laughs> I know you're shocked. Um, I, I don't know that it's that he's not that smart. I, I will go on the record and say, I don't think he's smart. But I also just don't think he cares because right. there is no one to stop him. If you think about the election in 2020, he didn't campaign because he didn't have to. He was paid for. They knew that they had all the money in the coffers and they were going to do everything they could to get him in that office. You know, when he went and he let out Brittany Griner and, and not Paul Whelan. Why? Because he knew he had the media and he had the administration to back him up and no one was going to stop him. When he said he didn't want to bus people of color into his neighborhood because he didn't want to turn his neighborhood into a racial jungle, it was because he knew no one would stop him. When he told a female reporter that she could sit down and take it easy because, uh, you know, there was a time when they weren't even in that room with him, nobody said anything to him. And just like nobody said anything until one person calls it out, such as yourself, yeah. to the media, and Marine Dow to her credit, at the time, yes, when the New York Times still considered themselves to be a paper of, you know, record that actually did things that mattered, right?
1: And and when when that story was published, it created quite a furor. And shortly thereafter, I mean, other people began noticing things. And I think Leslie Stahl from CBS uh, had looked into his law school.
4: Correct. Had the background, the GPA, how he finished. I mean, it's just like the story the other day about the Purple Heart and Uncle Frank. And right. what are you talking about? But again, you see it nowhere. Right. It, it's really unconscionable. And I think, too, to Ethan's point, you know, it's the difference between a media of then and a media of now.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, you can't say anything definitely. now. If, if you, I had discovered this oh in, in today's world and handed it over to a reporter for the New York Times, it, it would never see the light the of The FBI day. would have been saying, this is Russian disinformation. That's ban right. it from Twitter, Ethan, ban it from Facebook. That is exactly right. And uh, yeah, the media environment is just so totally different. And, and it's not for the better um all i can say but also
4: they destroy you yes i mean look at john paul mac isaac right yeah guy owns a freaking repair shop fixing computers and laptops not bothering anybody thinks he does the right thing calls what he believes to be the premier agency of law enforcement right and they destroy him
1: right why yeah well this is this is what they do and and you know i'm i'm conscious of the fact that i'm sitting here on the sean hannity show and realizing that in the course of history, conservatives began to wake up. And God bless our late friend Rush Limbaugh, who did that uh, show and really began to set things on fire. And then Sean, and then Fox News, and and now it's Newsmax, and the Media Research Center. And, I mean, it's all over. The Washington Times, et cetera. So uh, on we go here. This will be a great uh a great year, lots of challenges, and uh, I hope you'll be tuning in to Sean, who will be here uh, every day once we get started again. And Merry Christmas to you, and we will be right back after for one more short segment. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Jeffrey Lord, and it has been a very real honor to sit in for our friend Sean Henry today. Please follow me at Real Jeffrey Lord and listen to my podcast wherever podcasts are found. The Word of the Lord and my website, thejeffreylord.com. I wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and a Happy New Year. God bless you all, and God bless this nation.
0: Good night.
4: And, And thank you, Jeffrey, for filling in for us today. We are so grateful to have you. You have been a real
1: patriot. Love doing it.
0: Now, you could even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, HealthLock.com. Go there today. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. at hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N.